Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements when design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, also when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns, content, product marketing assets, you name it. If it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out is 2,500 a month. Uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. So check them out, noboringdesign.com, noboringdesign.com. Welcome to season three of Best in SaaS, where we talk through patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to 100 million in ARR and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Season three is brought to you by Chargebee. Chargebee helps SaaS businesses of all sizes maximize their growth potential and revenue with a leading global subscription management platform that delivers fast time to value plus exceptional service and support. Learn more at chargebee.com. Alrighty, we are once again live, but not actually live. Uh, this time, Rich Taylor, uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Excited to be here. Yeah, so listen, I'm I'm excited because I think you have a, a background that's a little bit different than most of the folks we traditionally have on the show. You have you have a bit more ops heavy background. Having you know, you came up in demand generation. You've been at like Qualtrics and Xamarin and Sourcegraph, Looker, Pusher. And now you're you're the VP of marketing and head of business ops at Qualio. Um, so maybe just let's start there. Like this path is not completely traditional. Um, how'd that all come to be? Yeah, I think uh, I think it started. So I sold pest control door to door during college or university, whatever you want to call it. And uh, the first summer, you know, I was top twenty sales rep, but the people I sold with were just way better than me. And what I realized, you know, and then the next year I was a manager and the third year I, we had a team of 40 sales reps, 20 technicians, and I ran kind of all of operations for it. And, you know, we did like almost 3 million in revenue that summer for Orkin Pest Control. And we, it was a great summer, but I realized the operations and like making sure all the details went smoothly to help salespeople run, you know, to sell better or faster was, was really important. So got into, I became a BDR. That was my first role out of, you know, after university. It was a lot easier calling people than knocking doors, by the way. But but the reason I got into marketing is because I, you know, we didn't have a real Salesforce admin. We had a director of demand gen that was doing it. And this was 15 years ago. And uh, I just helped, you know, make our processes better. And then he brought me on to do marketing. And I was the Salesforce admin and Eloqua admin my first first day in the job when I moved from BDR to be, do marketing. And uh you know, I broke Eloqua a couple of times actually and, and learned a lot of things. But I think I've always grown up in, if you have good processes, then everything can go faster. Um, and you got to break some processes to figure out if they work or not. And so I kind of just came up through demand chain and marketing operations that way. And then had to learn product marketing and different things as I, you know, became, uh, you know, a, a marketing leader that, that ran the whole ship. Um, 
but yeah, that's, it started real early in my career, you know, in university, just realizing processes really help, you know, they, that's how you help scale. There's a lot of heroics early in startups and then eventually you got to put some processes in place so other people can, can replicate what, what the great people have been doing or the people that have been successful are doing. I, I like that framing on heroics in the beginning, but then process after that. <laughs> um, I mean, these are very different sides of the brain as a marketer or being an operations oriented person and being someone who's deep in product marketing, for example. Yeah. Um, and obviously like RevOps and DG on the other side of the house, probably more on the operations side of the house. Yeah. Are there, are there certain lessons or strategies that you've employed to be good at both? Uh, I think, I think the main one, it, I think in all of these, it's a little bit of wanting to do better and incrementally better. Um, so testing or or doing those things. When you have a when you have like something you want to test, it, it, AdWords is a great example. You got to test AdWords campaigns and those type of things often and figure out if they're working and then redo them. And a lot of that is just messaging or emails. You know, your header, your your subject line is the most important thing, and people don't test that enough probably. And, and they worry about the body, but if you're, you know, your, your subject line's terrible, nobody will open it or who it's from. And, and so I think a lot of that is product marketing. You're thinking about the messaging and the delivery, but you're doing a more iterative process where sometimes product marketing, it's you go off in a corner, you're really trying to think because you got to think through some stuff or brainstorm. So for me, I think it's just been, I grew up being iterative and testing and marketing and taking that to product marketing, it's kind of the same thing. You're talking to customers a lot, trying to be iterative and understand. Uh, but with with product marketing, you got to kind of stick to a message for a bit or else you don't know if it works. And you almost have to stick with it five months longer than when your CEO is sick of it. And, and I think that's been the challenge of how do you be iterative within the message, but not wholly change the message. And so... Yeah, maybe that's just it. Like the testing and being iterative, that doesn't need to change, but you have to do it in a different context or framing, perhaps. How do you justify the... So so I'm going to rephrase that. It's sometimes very challenging when working with other executives to buy yourself the time to make the investment in time to see through some of these softer, longer tail, less measurable in a, in such a like performance oriented yeah. sense. H- how do you like to approach those conversations and that buy-in? And then ultimately, how do you measure these things? I think, I think because I used to be the critic of it, maybe it's easier. Yeah. And, and I was the critic in demand gen of, we just had this giant event that took all this time from people and it didn't bring anything into the, you know, like the ROI was so terrible. And, you know, I was probably the first one to be not maybe vocally critical, but just dismissive of, Oh, great. Somebody's doing events. I don't ever want events. Events can sit over there. I don't want it. Cause I, I'm, I was critical of, but if you measure events more from a, Hey, we're looking long-term at, you know, there's, there's other ways to look at events, awareness, like, you go there once and maybe it's an awareness thing instead of straight or ROI. How can you do that? So I, I think for me, it's, it's making sure that people know how we're measuring the success of it. And is it number of conversations? Is it awareness? Is those things that are harder to measure? 
a lot of it's just making sure you have the different time frame and also the different, you know, demand gen and marketing ops is often tied straight to revenue. And so we kind of feel cooler perhaps where product marketing is, you know, launching a product is hard and you have to figure it out, be iterative and, and kind of wait a bit to see when it sets or talking to analysts. If you talk to analysts, sometimes I'll give an example of Looker. I think it was one of the first ones to talk to an analyst and it took us a while and they're still not on the Gartner. You know, they're, they're fine in the Gartner magic quadrant, but it's a lot of banging in your head against the wall against an analyst to try to help them see the light in your way. And, and it took a long time, but you know, it, it brought revenue eventually and it got there and you kind of needed to play that game to do it. So I think those are some of the things that, that I think through. <laughs> Until you open the check checkbook with, with yeah that. yeah exactly. So. <laughs> one of these one of these days, I want to get like all of the all the CMOs and VPs of marketing back on the show at the same time. Get everybody drunk and have a really candid industry conversation about uh, about the Gartners and Foresters of the world. No 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 shade on them because obviously we can't do that. But it's such a funny piece of the industry. It's, uh, it's very interesting for sure. But it's yeah. a long term play, and I think some of those investments you need to make early and uh and they're important but you have to have a you have to have a like you said the leadership team the ceo that said you have to be able to talk to them and say these are longer term investments they will take a lot of time partner programs you know a lot of sales or different people don't want to start a partner program because they think the next person is going to benefit from it but you have to start it sometime and it, it might not bring revenue or you might see hints of it but partner programs can be extremely valuable to, to some organizations. Totally. Um, all right. I have to like pause our normal conversation for a second because you are an advisor to one of my favorite and most used companies today. I've got a, like a, a list of maybe five that I could like count out that I use every single day and I'm really excited about just as like younger companies. So Grain is the company I'm talking about. Um, I believe you're an advisor to them. Uh, what, what attracted you to, to helping that company out like with growth and, and kind of what excites you about them? Yeah. So, uh, I, I won't get too much in the details of grain, but it, grain's a fantastic product. I, I wish I used it more. I probably use it less than I should, but, but the power of it and the opportunity is, is huge. And so I knew the CEO and he would reach out to me. You know, he, he's founded a couple companies and was at a few other companies we used to play basketball together in San Francisco. And so, you know, he'd reach out and just ask me questions. Then finally asked, finally asked if he could, uh, you know, if I advise him on marketing, you know, I think hiring your first marketer is hard. And so I think a lesson there is he hired someone he hoped would be right. It, you know, it wasn't the right fit for both of them, whatever reason. And so trying to figure out their next, you know, their next person, how do they do marketing is really important. So, Mainly, it was just a lesson of me and Mike talking. Mike, Mike's great. We just talk like usually Friday afternoon about what's marketing. What should he think about? What should he care about? We we tried some things. They didn't work. We tried some other things. They worked. He talked to a lot of people. And now I think he has a really good understanding of what he wants to do to hire marketing. And uh, I think that's the hardest thing for most founders is you have an idea of what marketing is because you're marketed to all the time and you, you know, you're trying to market or talk about your product. But uh, I, I think for founders, it's, it's, it's really tough to know what kind of marketer you need and how do you suss out well, what kind of market am I and what kind of marketer are you? You know, like it's, we could be, we could have the same title, but 
be very different marketers. Um, I usually like to be the first one at the company to do marketing or, or maybe a small team and then grow it from there. And there's others that like to come in and just do the strategy and not touch a thing. Um, and maybe I'll get there one day, but that's, those are just different types of marketers. And you got to know who you're hiring and what you need out of them before you go or, or go make a couple mistakes, just do them quickly. So. Totally. Yeah. I think that that speed to mistake and then they're learning after that, just like, it's like what you said with testing, just like it, the same thing applies to marketing campaigns and, you know, growth hypotheses. It's like, how quickly can you test your ideas out, see if they work and double down on the ones that do and avoid the ones that don't like game on. Yeah. And I, I, I think what's really hard with testing or hiring is you don't want to, you don't want to create too big a bias for something that failed because you might, it, it might've failed this point, but it might not fail in the future. For example, if I hire a, you know, I'm from Idaho, so I'll just use me. If you hire a guy with a beard out of Idaho, you know, you shouldn't never hire another guy with a beard out of Idaho if it didn't work. <laughs> uh, similar, like if you tried, you know, if you try AdWords and it doesn't work or Facebook ads and it doesn't work, you shouldn't never try it again. So, yeah, we were, uh, we were chatting with a client of ours and their focus is on driving large enterprise pipe right now. They've got a really well known brand name in the industry and, uh, they had tried this this strategy that we wanted to roll, but they tried it two years ago. It's like yeah. the the market conditions two years ago, especially in you know this PLG space that they're in, it's just night and day. Like you don't even yeah. if it failed, then it could become the next best campaign that we run. Um, so yeah, it's totally. There's so many variables that can that can play for. All right. So before we get on to the second half of this episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our close friends over at Mattermade. For those of you who don't know them. Mattermade helps some of the fastest growing B2B SaaS companies drive revenue as an extension of their marketing teams. We're talking companies like Dropbox, Calm, Loom, Product Board, and many others who trust Mattermade to help them drive their marketing and demand gen initiatives. You can check out their seemingly endless supply of case studies over at mattermade.co. Now let's get back to the episode. Speaking of which, are, are there... You know, the industry has changed a lot. I mean, it's always changing, but it's changed a lot in the last 24 months. Are there any things that you see as interesting and new that you've either tinkered with or are interested in tinkering with? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're, we've been a remote first. I've worked for a lot of remote first companies. So this is new to a lot of people. And, you know, for me, I even gave a little, uh, a little talk about it that's on my LinkedIn profile about, you know, you know, Suits let your people work from home, those type of things. <laughs> um, my first boss, I, I saw him in marketing. He, he's amazing, by the way. His name's Jeff West. If, you, uh, he's, if you've ever worked with him, you know how amazing he is. He probably is not someone you would you'd see on any blogs or any of those type of things, but an amazing um, you know, marketer and leader. Uh, but I saw Jeff made three, four times in person the three, four years I worked for him. And uh, so for me, remote was easy, but I think, how do you, how do you change business where, you know, I think that's a major change in business. And so how do you adjust to that? You know, my, I've seen a lot of remote uh, conferences, people want to go back in the office, like there's different brands of people. I'm somewhat of an introvert. So you try to get me to a dinner, pretty hard. <laughs> like you, you want me to talk to a few people on Zoom, maybe easy. So you got to figure out who your audience is and, and give them some options. So I think 
I think the optionality is going to be very important. And we've, we've tried to work with that a few, you know, we've experimented with a few remote uh, conferences and those type of things and getting the right person on there or inside sales. Do we really need enterprise salespeople to go into a building and talk to anyone? Like, is that going to be a weird thing for a long time? It, it might be. Uh, although there's probably enterprise sales reps that are hungry and want to go get those points again. You know, I, I think that could be something that's changed. So those are a few like, broad topics. I think remote is something that's we're going to have to... It's not just unique anymore. It's it's everywhere. Everybody's got to figure out how do you do that. So that's one side. I think the other side of it... or Another thing I'm thinking about is, you know, just with uh, competition, you know, I think it's... I I think branding is really important. So uh, how do you you do that in a good way where you, uh, you know... I think branding is becoming more important. It's probably the last thing I thought about for a long time. At Xamarin, we had amazing designers. A lot of companies have had amazing designers, but I think design and and flow or product related growth are things that, even if you're very, you know, if you have a very sales driven, sales led approach, you have to figure out how to do some product led growth and design. Whether it's UX UI, like the entire design of systems is is really important, and how people get information and close it. That's been happening for a while, but I think. You know, Looker was a very sales, you had to, there wasn't really pricing. You had to get into and talk to a salesperson. We do the same thing at Qualio. It's working really well for us, but I think you have to figure out a way to, you know, get product led growth and those type of things in there, whether it's just a lead source or those type of things, or else other companies are going to come in and crush you. So that's, uh, that's, I think, a very big thing that we're working on and in our industries behind on it that we're trying to change. Yeah, it's interesting. The the arc. I feel like it was you know back in the day, brand was huge, and then yeah. brand got soft for people, and it, it was all about content. And then like HubSpot era happened, content had its moment, and, and of course, I'm saying you know had its moment. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. all all these things remain important. But you yeah. know, like as far as what the industry was chasing, and then it was all about demand gen, and like that's how marketing could prove their value to sales was just hard numbers and DG <laughs> in the most traditional sense. And now we're in this like resurgence of brand and PLG, which of course wraps in all of those other pieces as well. But it's just funny to see how the waves kind of move through the valley and and the buzzwords come and go, but also truly the focus shifts. So, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I worked for probably one of the first directors of demand generation. And uh, so that's what I grew up in is demand generation when it started. And then it was like growth hackers or growth marketers, or now it's PLG people, or there's ABM, you know, still ABM people there. And and I think for me, it, you know, I I studied economics and then I switched to marketing late in my uh, in my college career. And I and I think it still goes back to like marketing fundamentals are really important. And if you if you think about those and not the buzzwords, it, things are going to be all right. So I try to go back there quite often. Of all right product positioning, you know, you can go to four P's of marketing or now there's five C's. I don't know what there is, but, <laughs> but if you look at the basics, it's very, it, it's, you know, how do you talk about yourselves? How does it look? You know, are you doing research on the customers and how are you packaging it and you know, which pricing in there? And there you go. Like that's, that's the fundamentals and knowing your audience. I think that's number one is who's your customer and how are you selling to them? Who cares what your somebody else is doing? what do your customers want to do and how do you approach there? And it, it, nothing else really matters. ABM could work for my company or not, but don't pigeonhole the, the trends in the brand if it doesn't work for your customer set or your prospects. So, 
Totally. I had some of my favorite marketing leaders. I've, I've been on calls with them where, you know, their team's deep in the weeds and we're going, you know, everybody's talking, brainstorming back and forth. And then, you know, the, the sage CMO steps in for a second. They're like, who, who are we talking to? You know, or like yeah. just they just say something that sounds so obvious and it just refocuses everyone, right? It's yeah. like it's the simple fundamentals that ultimately make the, all the difference. Yeah, agreed. And I, you know, I think I think for me it's you know, I, I was on a I was in a meeting one time and uh we were trying to do this campaign and the CEO's like, Well, no, it's really important to do this like Gmail did and just roll it out really slow and that exclusiveness is really important. And I thought well, sure. Google was, this is one of Google's product line. This is our only product line. We don't, you know, sure. Exclusive is cool, but we're not, we're not in a space where we can't like customers have been waiting for this. We can't, you know, like some of those things. And so I think comparing apples to oranges is something that I, I always try to say, great, you know, that might work for them. You know, I, like I, I surf. So if you try to sell me, uh, and, and I'm pretty new, you know, I've been doing it a few years, but you know, if you try to tell me that kite surfing is cooler than what I do, it might be, but you're not going to convince me to go kite surf all of a sudden. Cause that's not what I do. And I don't want to get into it. Like I, I want to do what I do and that's okay. And so trying to make, are you making a major change shift on their mentality or when you're selling to marketers, I think there's a lot of that, like ABM solves all your problems. No, it doesn't like it might solve one problem for one set, but if my customers don't care about that, or if there's not a big, you know, thing, then then that's really important. So, so yeah, I think I think you're right. That can you back it up and, and look at the whole picture and then go back down. There's good to brainstorming, but will it work for us? Sure. I'm. I think that's another thing I I care a lot about is I never want to say no to my team if they say, hey, we should try this. Sure, try it. Uh, but figure out a time when you can stop and look back and say, did it work or, or, or not type thing. Man, kite surfing scares the shit out of me. Whenever I see those people out <laughs> by the golden gate, just like flying, it's like, you know, it's ripping like 20 knots and they're just 60 feet up in the air. <laughs> it scares the shit out of me. Yeah. It's amazing. And I, you know, I think if I was a, a you know, a different time in my life or whatever, maybe I'd do it. But for me, yeah, yeah it's, yeah, there's, there's a whole thing. Like that's a, that's a, that's a set of people we in in this brought up because it, it got brought up on a call today where somebody's like, Oh, I kite surf. I'm like, Great, I surf a way different way. But you know, we can talk about surfing if you want. But I think you're right. It's it's something that, you know, to me that's nuts. To other people, that's all they can think about is how do I get into it? And so knowing that audience is really important and not trying to pigeonhole everybody into one thing is is hard because uh yeah, that's what marketing, marketing, Martech is doing to us. So, um, so as we wrap this thing up, I'm curious who some of the folks who have been influential in your career thus far are, whether they're mentors or friends. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think the one I mentioned was Jeff West. Uh, uh, you know, he's he was my first first uh, marketing boss. He was amazing. Um, you know, if you can get him on, he's he's great. So uh, we we worked together at MySQL, and then he went on to Zendesk and. Data stacks and uh, and other places, and he's he's just amazing. So uh, Jeff's one, another guy, Zachary Locker. He was mine and Jeff's boss at MySQL, but somebody that's really helped me a lot in my career. The other one that's weird is uh, I have I have three younger brothers, and um, we have a, our own Slack channel. My mom doesn't text me; we Slack each other, and and so 
you know, we have a Just Brothers channel and my one brother, he works as a VP of growth for another company. So I'm really fortunate to have brothers that I can just, you know, ping different things off. And we, we all work in tech. One works for a big, he does finance in a big company, you know, big Fortune 500 company. The other one does quality assurance for, uh, you know, a gaming company. And so I'm really fortunate just to have some brothers that I can um, talk to about almost anything and, and a lot of good friends that, that uh, I've met over the years and, and can just, hey, does this sound crazy? And they can come back to me and, and kind of be those peers. So I think that's really important. And if you don't have those, like, find some. I, I, like, I'll be anybody's, I'll, I'll talk to anybody. Like, if you, if you need a peer, like, <laughs> let's talk. So I think, I think that's really important is to have some other peers going through similar things. They can bounce some ideas off and commiserate over or cheer over on some great accomplishments you've had. Love it, man. Well, Rich, really enjoyed chatting with you and uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks so much. 